Welcome to The Founders. This is the podcast where we dig into the startup stories behind some of the most exciting and innovative businesses by speaking to the founders themselves. I'm Alex. And I'm Joe. And today we're speaking to Unique CBD's co-founder, Ollie White. You may know Ollie already as a YouTuber, but he's racked up 7.5 million followers across his social media channels. Unique CBD is his more recent venture, a premium science-backed CBD brand. What were you keen to find out about Ollie? Uh, I think for me, he he mentioned that he thought starting a business would be easy, um, but then also talked about how he even struggled to open a bank account, which was quite interesting. It's probably something a lot of startup founders have, have experienced at least once in their in their time. Um, and as well, just like what his strategy is, just given the market. So CBD, in his view, is like a long play for him. So he's not being overly aggressive with his marketing, as we've seen some you know other big players in, in, in the space be. He's taking it slow and steady and, by the sounds of it, waiting for the right moment to pounce. I think it was interesting hearing him get into detail about his YouTube days and his thoughts on social media, also some of the stresses of being uh, that big of an internet personality, and also why he's way more into short-form content now than uh, like TikTok, for example, over longer form on YouTube. Uh, he also talks about why he's chosen a behind-the-scenes role for his business, because even though he's an influencer, you know, you see these influencer-backed, influencer-led brands, Ollie has gone the other way and has decided to stay behind the scenes and launch Unique as its own standalone brand. So this is Ollie White with Unique CBD. Enjoy. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Ollie. I think a really good foundation to set for the conversation would be if you could go into detail about how you started in YouTube and then we can then lead on to uh, how that turned into your idea of starting Unique CBD. So I I, I loved video cameras. I loved filming. Um, I was really interested in like visual effects as well in movies. And I, when I got my first, I think it was my first Xbox 360, I bought this cable that you could attach to the computer and record gameplay. And that's kind of how I got started with YouTube. I was just sort of filming lots of different gameplays of Call of Duty and just uploading them to YouTube. And at that time, YouTube was in a place where there was hardly anyone on there. It was sort of like random cat and dog videos. There was no brands, no advertising. So it was just like a complete new space and then you know there were a lot of youtubers that started up and were vlogging and vlogging was this new thing that it was like a video diary in a sense you were sharing what you would do in your day to random people and get their feedback on it which was which was so strange thinking about it back in the day but I was kind of like I was in this position where I was playing these games I had a couple of thousand subscribers and I was like I want to be on camera you know I want to I want to be an entertainer and see what I can do so I kind of just bucked up the courage one day, got a camera, I think it was for my birthday, and then just started filming these just random, very rubbish videos, like very rubbish vlogs, which then slowly started to progress into, I was learning After Effects, which then I'd do some like weird, like little effects that were still, I look back now, they're rubbish, but at the point, at the time they were, they were pretty good. And um, yeah, I just sort of was just very persistent with it and, and really enjoyed it. Like it was a complete hobby and it was just a just a load of fun, really. And, you know, when you'd see you'd get like 100 views on one video and then you got like a thousand views and then 10,000 views. It was just this most like insane, rewarding feeling of like, wow, I've somehow managed to get 10,000 eyes on this video, which which is rubbish. So how how is that possible? So. Brands then started getting a bit interested with YouTube. Um, you know, they were they're reaching out 
to myself and lots of other creators at that point. And this was still when YouTube was in such early days. And there was a lot of brands trying to develop new content. I suppose that's always the thing when any new platform launches. It's like, how do we turn this into something? How do we develop content professionally and and you, you know, use it with brands? So I was working with a couple of different uh, creative agencies and I was doing a lot of presenting back then. Uh, and the presenting kind of then flowed into working with other brands because they were using that presenting skill. And I met a couple of friends that were also doing YouTube at that time and and sort of together we just joined forces and filmed and collaborated and i think social media and collaborations is one of the most important things you can do to grow an audience because you're directly you know showing them in your videos or you're being in their videos and there's a link in the description to subscribe to yourself it was just it was insane the growth period for like three years when sort of collaborations and it was actually when one direction were kind of at their like peak and it was almost like a a flow over from One Direction fans to then like YouTube vlogger fans. And, and there wasn't many vloggers at the time. So it was, you know, if you're a vlogger, you mo most likely someone would have heard of you because there was only about 10, well, not, I don't know, 10, 20, but like there was, there was few. And then, yeah, it just, it just developed so fast and just turned into this like whirlwind production where it did unfortunately start to feel at times more like work, but I have been so fortunate and so lucky and so blessed because I got to travel the world at a young age with my best friends and like work with some of the biggest brands in the world and just have honestly like the the best time of my life like it was absolutely insane it was so fun and then yeah we're, we're now sort of where we are now where I've, I've kind of I haven't taken a step back from YouTube but I've been lucky enough to now be in a position where I go right what's sort of next I've done YouTube for 10 years now you know, I don't know whether I want to be doing the same content. I'd love to do other bits and pieces, but I think it also determines like what I'm enjoying still. I want to still produce something that I really like. Otherwise, you just get burnt out. And through lockdown, I, I struggled a lot because, you know, I live in a relatively small apartment. It's a beautiful apartment, but it's a small apartment. So you don't really have much space to do things. And then when you're competing against Mr. Beast and he's buying someone an island, and there's me doing a taste test of uh, Nando's or something. It, I feel like there's not really, you know, there's not much competition there. So, yeah, I just sort of put my entrepreneurial hat on and thought, what else can I do? And over the lockdown period, I was, I was very interested in cryptocurrency as well. I've been interested in cryptocurrency for years. Um, so I very much got involved in that. And, and while we were doing that, we then started Unique CBD. So back in the early days... Both Joe and I have previously had YouTube channels, which you can't, no one can find them, can they? No. Yours. Didn't, didn't just want to out History. you then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which have since been, so mine was, I'm quite happy to talk about what mine was. <laughs> I was just talking about it before. Um, so me and my friend Jake started a lip syncing channel, okay. which is pretty, uh, was pretty good. And we did actually, you are right, in the One Direction fans kind of fan base, there would be these very specific people that would always watch our videos but i feel like there's filters for becoming a youtuber or a great creator yeah where i think one of the hardest ones to overcome first is the reason that i deleted my channel i think you deleted a couple as well was just because it was so it wasn't as like i suppose well accepted as it is now in like, I, f I feel like people are more aware of or, or more okay with mm. people posting content yeah, um, or being present online. But then it was 
like if someone found your channel at school or something, it was like the worst thing that could happen because your content would go around school. It would just be, and I just remember feeling, oh, I just felt like so embarrassed and so scared that someone was going to find this this channel that we'd made with my friend, even though we were posting it out to the internet. And I just wondered if you ever had anything like that and if you feel like there's any creators out there at the moment that want to start a channel but have that that fear, did you ever have to deal with that? And if so, how did you overcome that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think firstly, like filming yourself is, I think, quite a challenging thing to do. A lot of people think it's quite easy, but filming yourself in like an entertainment capacity and like being fun and lively, like it is it is quite hard, especially when people are doing like daily vlogs and filming every day. Like someone just thinks, oh no, they're just picking up a camera and that's it. That's like, it's so strenuous and so tiring and knackering. But when I first started, I was so embarrassed. Like I, I remember I'd be like filming at the end of my bed and it, I don't even know what I was talking about, just subjects. And like, as soon as I'd hear my parents walk up the stairs, it was just like camera's off, like I'm not doing anything. Cause it was just such an unusual thing as well obviously there was no TikTok, you know there was nothing like that so it was just like a very unusual thing to do and especially then when you collaborate and you're like oh yeah mum and dad my mate's coming over we're just going to film a video in the bedroom and talk about this subject like it's just it's just odd but i think my pivoting point was I felt like everyone knew about my youtube so there was nothing more for sort of anyone to find out so i had like a couple of thousand subscribers i think when i was at school and I would then try and include the people that if they were, you know, kind of teasing me for it, I'd be like, all right, you come and be in a video then. And then as soon as they were in a video, they'd never then tease again because then it would get like a couple of hundred views or a thousand or whatever. And they're like, oh, I've got a thousand people on me. Like, this is great. But I think for anyone that wants to start and it feels maybe embarrassed, like don't be. And it's completely normal to feel like that because it's something new, right? but you have to just get over it and just keep doing it. And I think just really practice. Like I still don't really like vlogging in public. Like if I'm with friends, I can like, it's fine. But if I'm on my own vlogging, I feel quite uncomfortable. So you've also got to find what works for you. Like there's some people that can do public pranks and like all, all different things like that. I can't do that. I really, I really can't make someone else the the laugh of the joke. Like, Maybe I'm just too nice of a person, but like I just re I just don't like doing that. And I've done that before when I've worked with some agencies and companies, and I've just really not liked it. So yeah, I think you just you you've got to go for it if it's what you really like doing. Then and then just practice, and I think the confidence will develop. And on a similar vein, I think there was a statistic that went round. I think it was like two years ago, where a study was done on a ton of teenagers who were asked. If you could have any job in the world when you're older, what would it be? And I think the majority of those uh, teenagers responded with, I want to be a YouTuber. Yeah. You mentioned before that it might have been as lockdown happened or maybe around that time that YouTubing for you full time started to feel like a job and you actually started to look for other options, be it in, in business, as it seems that yeah. you've gone. What was it that got you there? Considering that that is a, that is a role that a lot of people by the looks of it, would have, have chosen if they could do anything when they grow up, that's something that they would aspire to, to do and something that they want to chase. What changed for you along the way and why did that start to feel like a chore for you? So in the early days, I was filming and, and living literally down the road from my best mates who were also filming YouTube all day, every day. So it was like this really fun hobby where we'd meet up and just film videos and also get paid for it. 
and right. work with some really amazing brands. But over time, you've then like, you know, there's only so many times where I can film my breakfast and show someone what I'm having in the morning. Or there's so only so many times where I can, um, I don't know, show what I'm watching on TV or I'm going to eat at this place. And it, it then becomes very the same. Something that's so new and like has sort of a constant change to it. I felt like I've not adapted my content as much because I still really liked what I'm doing then the content is just quite the same. And if I'm not enjoying it, I think, well, how is anyone else going to enjoy it? So then when obviously lockdown hit, being inside for, for pretty much two years, I mean, it's very limiting what you can do. I was I started streaming on, on Twitch and I was filming some gaming videos. And I think like pivoting in business is like one of the most important things. It's like constantly adapting and changing things. So you're always going to have it. And that was kind of like my mini like adaption and change for that period. And then now I've kind of gone, you know what, I don't want to focus on YouTube as much because I think TikTok's where it's at and I can actually get my message across and show what I'm doing and produce, I would say, far more entertaining content than YouTube. You know, making a 15 minute to 30 minute video is very challenging, like to keep it going and to, to make it entertaining. But to make a, 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 you know, 30 second to a one minute video, uh, I have loads of ideas and it's nice. I feel like I'm like I'm flooded with like things that I'd want to create. And at the moment, I've been actually taking a lot of content that I've shot on YouTube over the years and cutting it down for more of a TikTok format because there's so much content I've filmed where I'm like, that would be the perfect like TikTok cut down. And, you know, it would probably do very well and requires just a, an edit, which I have a team that helps me with that. And uh, then it just goes out and it's, you know, I, I don't really have, I'm not really making as much original content at the moment. I aim to, uh, but I just want to get content flowing because my main channel is like something where I feel like I've, I've like need to put a lot of effort into it. And it needs to be really good. And then my vlogging channel is again, like 15 minutes of my day, which I'm now actually going to start doing like a day in the life, but on my TikTok as a series. So it's like a compilation of all things in the day. And it's, I find it so much more rewarding. I don't know what it is. I think it's just the different format, a different platform. It's just so much more rewarding than, than YouTube at the moment. Do you think that's to do with the, the speed at which you're able to get content out there, given that it is much shorter form? 100%. So you don't need to invest as much time to be able to see a similar kind of view count yeah. or level of engagement on the content? Yeah, 100%. I mean, when I was creating videos purely as a hobby, I'd sometimes spend literally a whole week, like a, a solid week editing or filming or, or structuring a video. And then the next week I'd do the same thing and the same thing, but because it was so new and so fresh, like I, I had that free time to spend on it and I just really, really, really loved it. And as the years sort of go on, the vlogging was very attractive because you've already got a timeline there of events of what you're editing, right? And you need to, you need to edit the start, the end, merge it together make it entertaining and you've got the video produced but then sort of constructing a main a main channel video where i've always tried to have a higher level of standard of production whether it's you know the cameras we use or the audio we're using or graphics and it does just take a lot longer to do and sometimes you'll upload a vlog that's taken you no time at all and it will outdo a main channel that's taken you know two or three days to film edit but yeah i mean going back to your question i, I completely agree i think tiktok's much more easy to film, much more easy to edit, and it's much more rewarding on the way that TikTok pushes it out to people. And it's where everyone is. I find myself 
using TikTok all day. Well, not all day, but <laughs> there's a little secret. I'm on it all day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, not, not all day, but every day I definitely have a look at TikTok. And I used to be like that with YouTube. And I'm like, well, if I'm obsessed with TikTok and I'm on TikTok all the time, then I should probably be making content for TikTok because I, you know, should know it because I'm on it all the time. So that's kind of where I am with the with the content stuff. I think one question that I, that I have, because you've got a very unique perspective as someone who has been creating content and has been present in the digital space for a significant amount of time, 10 plus years. How do you feel like the environment has changed over that time when you think about what it was like posting then and the kinds of things that you had to do to to get engagement how do you feel that the landscape has changed up until today i mean it's it's changed like so much i would sit down and film a q and a and it would get like half a million to a million views and it was just answering some questions but at that point, though, they, again, there was like not as many YouTubers. So, you know, the amount of content that was being produced was not as much. And now if you did that same type of video, I mean, it would get absolutely nowhere near those views whatsoever. Because I also think that people aren't, really aren't interested in that. And it's kind of been done. That's sort of the the real sort of old YouTube of like the chubby bunny challenge, the cinnamon challenge. You know, you could just sit there, do a very tiny challenge and do amazing when the views because there's just like constant like weird youtube trends and now i see that a lot with tiktok right you've got songs that no one's ever heard of and then they blow up because someone's used it on a tiktok and then it's like a meme and it's like the coolest thing to do is to post something with that now song and it's incredible it's incredible how like trends just like are constantly shifting but what we see on youtube now is people putting in a lot of money and a lot of time to create sets, to create productions. They have massive teams. And I, I think if you go down the route of high production, you really are up against like some people that will spend a lot of money to produce the best content that they can. Um, so the bar is like really high now on YouTube, I'd say. Obviously starting a CBD company, CBD is one of those products that is is marketed to help relieve stress amongst other things. Could you go into some detail as to why you were attracted to CBD, if you're comfortable talking about it? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, me and my partner, we actually started uh, Unique CBD like over two years ago now. So it was in lockdown. Uh, and it was actually inspired by my mum. Years and years and years ago, she wasn't very well. And she would try and sort of find any kind of like health remedy or anything to help her while she was going through treatment and she really saw the benefits in it and I then as I was sort of transitioning from the YouTube of the early sort of 20s and things were getting a lot more tense there was a lot more pressure there was a lot more brands I just started getting a lot of anxiety with things like I would you know I would always see myself as quite a quite a confident person. I think you kind of have to be if you're always filming yourself and and everything like that. But I would go to red carpet events and and different things and I would just feel just this overwhelming like sense of like nervousness and I never really knew or understood what that like was at that time. So she said she was like, "Look, you should definitely, you know, try some CBD and 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 see how you like it." And then I think it was a couple of months after Evie and I, we went to America. We were staying there. I think I was doing some work there for a couple of weeks. 
And obviously they're so advanced now on the whole cannabis sector, the, the CBD sector as well. And we had a CBD chocolate bar and it was it was actually quite incredible how we sort of felt after. I can't remember what we were going to. I think we were actually going to a premiere or there was something that we were going to. So we took it and we were like, this is, this is really weird. Like this, this is amazing. So when we got back to the UK, we started looking for like CBD products, like what is there out there? Like, you know, let's buy some because it's, you know, it's clearly worked. And as you do, you go on Amazon searching for the products and there was just loads of hemp seed oil products, which is the, you know, the seed of the plant. There's, there's really little to no CBD in there. And after looking Amazon up until like, I think it, I think it's been about six months or so up until then they've only ever allowed hemp seed oil products and not full CBD. So we were just like, this is insane. Everyone's buying these products thinking it's CBD and it's not. So we actually started doing a lot of research around CBD, what makes a good product, what makes a bad product, like what are the things that we need to do? And we then partnered with a neuroscientist to work on some formulations for actual personal use, but also just like family and friends as well. We we just sort of wanted to take it really, really slow because it was a it was just sort of an interesting area we 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 wanted to find out more on. So um we then created two oils. So we started with a it was a low dose to start with and then we created a higher dose and uh, we gave them out to friends, family and ourselves and we it just they were amazing. Like they tasted amazing and you know a lot of our friends and family reported back that they they you know saw really positive results from them. So we then just decided to just start Unique CBD and you know start selling some CBD products and really our mission and goal was to create premium and trustworthy CBD products that we're very transparent about and that you can trust. There's a lack of companies that, you know, they they don't have any reporting with their CBD. You don't really know what's in it. You don't know whether there's heavy metals in it, pesticides, all these things that, you know, should be checked. So then after that, we pivoted into skincare. We saw that a lot of, um, you know, retailers, they were a lot more acceptable to stocking skincare products as opposed to ingestible oils. So we released the body cream, uh, which was supported by our team of dermatologists. And then we're now where we are now, where we, we've been running for two years and we are launching this week, actually, two CBD infused serums. So our protect and repair serum which we've been formulating for over a year, which has been a long time. And then we're also releasing another product, which is my one of my favorites because I think, I well, I hope people like it, but I think they will, um, which is called the Bar, which is a CBD infused bar. It's a 0% nicotine CBD rechargeable bar. We don't like to word, use the word vape, but it's a bar. And our basically mission with that is to try and reduce nicotine addiction and and provide a healthier alternative i mean you would you you will have seen everyone on the streets carrying a, a different colored uh you know disposable vape and you know firstly a lot of them are knockoffs from the originals so they have you know a lot of changed ingredients obviously they're highly addictive but we're also throwing away a lithium battery every single time someone uses them. And I'll speak to friends and they're like, yeah, I use like, you know, four or five a week. I'm like, you're throwing that in the ground then. You're not recycling it, are you? So it just, we, we basically have identified a couple of key areas and, and we're really hoping to just provide healthier alternatives for them. 
and yeah it's been it's been super exciting like i mean especially working with my partner i didn't know how things were going to go you know when you when you're working with someone that you also love it's can sometimes bring a lot of tension and stress but actually we complement each other so much our skill sets are so different um evie's very much like with the sort of design and the overall sort of look of the company um and also sort of like on the formulation she works with our dermatologists and neuroscientists on the formulation of all of our products i kind of do anything like editor visuals uh, text that we need on packaging website design calls different things like that but we're very excited to kind of go into our phase two which is actual marketing of our product where we've we've kind of been in a developing phase for about um i would say the last two years because you need always need an array of products to produce that are in different categories and now we're kind of ready to advertise and and that's a hard thing as well advertising with cbd yeah i was going to say we've got quite a few questions on um on this topic because sure. we've um, we've faced a similar thing in the past one of our clients was a cbd client okay and the ways that you get around marketing for a business like that you have to get quite creative but yeah the first thing i wanted to ask was um when i was researching for this episode i actually saw a headline that said unique cbd is not an ollie white brand what was the purpose behind that headline and what if you could describe it in a specific role what would be your role at the brand yeah so when we first started Unique, we didn't want to put my sort of like face or name to it and we didn't want it to be seen as like, oh, Ollie White has launched this CBD brand because you instantly get people that are trying to tear you down or say, oh, you're just doing this as a cash grab. You don't know anything about this. You're just doing it for the wrong reasons. And we were just like, you know, what? we don't need this to be really attached to myself. Like we need to really develop it, work on it. And then later down the line, if we feel like, you know, I then really start to push it, we can. Um, I've made a couple of videos. I've obviously done some Instagram posts, but I really have not pushed it that much. And that's what we're sort of now merging into our into our second phase but with the, with the advertising side it's uh it's 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 incredibly difficult it's really annoying because there's not really any guidelines to say that well, there's just not really any guidelines and that and that's the problem you know it's more so that like facebook google and instagram they just don't allow it on their platforms so then you basically can't advertise anywhere you know you can create organic content and we found that tiktok's actually one of the most relaxed around cbd but a lot of companies are getting around it and it's a very easy thing that they're doing. But I don't want to do it because I also have relationships with Instagram and Facebook for my own sort of social stuff. So I don't then want to be going around their, you know, restrictions. But yeah, a lot of people are doing it and it's quite frustrating. But hopefully uh, the restrictions and guidelines will be a bit clearer and, uh, you know, a lot of other companies will will just relax up. And I think the reason why they're so hard on it and tight on it is because you do get a lot of really bad products like really terrible products and you know people are doing it completely as like a a trend like jump on the trend see if we can make any money from it and that actually then just damages everyone else's companies that have put a lot of money into it have spent a lot of time into it and are here for the right reasons and want to want to grow it and have a you know a five to ten year outlook on it Going back to phase one of, of Unique CBD, what was that launch of, of, of the brand like? Was it a soft launch? Was it something that you just you released all at once and, and tried to push quite hard initially? Yeah. Um, what was it, what was that initial phase one plan and how, how did that roll out? Yeah, so like even, even with the serums that we're launching, I mean, we're doing like a bit of a countdown on our Instagram. Today is day one of the countdown. 
but we're not really like crazily like screaming and shouting, hosting events, like doing this, doing that, because I do think the industry is just still quite new to it. So there are so many CBD brands that have gone full force, raised millions and then spent millions and then have nothing to show for it because they've tried to grow too quickly. And I don't think you can right. grow faster than what the, you, you, you can't grow faster than what the market's growing at. Right. So as soon as we see the market really taking off, then we'll probably, you know, put a lot more money and resources in. At the moment, Unique is 100 percent funded by myself. So, you know, we obviously have to be slightly careful with how much money we're plowing into it. We need to see returns for stuff. And, you know, a lot of the stuff from website and design and creation of all the products, we're really lucky that we kind of have that skill set in house. So we're not really needing to sort of outsource or spend any money on that obviously then the the sort of the marketing advertising side of things we can create all of the content and i can also promote it as well so we're very lucky in that sense and we really haven't gone full out with it but i think it's just more about showing unique cbd as a part of my life and evie's life more and more rather than just sort of doing like sort of sporadic little things but yeah, it's kind of like, I know it might sound from you guys, you're like, wow, this sounds like a bit of a wishy-washy plan. But I, I really want Unique to be like a hobby as well. I don't want it to be this like really intense, oh my God, we've got to have 50 things planned for the launch. It just, I don't think it needs to be like that until you're at a mm. level where it's earning ridiculous amounts of money and you're growing massively. I don't think it needs to have that much pressure. And that's also why I haven't taken on any third-party capital because I just don't want the stress of like having someone else's money. And I, I suppose it stops the freedom slightly as well of what you can do. Definitely, definitely. And I think so for, for context, I don't think it's a wishy-washy plan just based off what you said there where <laughs> the the market, yeah. the, if the market isn't ready for it yet, then I guess the, the, the thing that needs to happen before anyone can put up a load of cash in marketing and it works is a level of education yeah and that i guess that's got to come first from either people slowly organically finding out about not just unique but cbd as, as a whole of their own accord or other people are going to move first and put up the capital to educate them before yeah. then the market's primed for a brand to come in and and, and take the majority mm. of it, it, it yeah. would you say that that's your plan then in terms of an organic growth waiting for that point at which to then go and take off yeah i mean I actually think the most important thing, one of the most important things with starting a brand is just branding, right? A lot of people, mm. they start the business, they rush, ju jump into it, spend a lot of money, create a pretty half-hearted looking company and then it might do well and then just, you know, flatten out because there's other companies that have just produced their websites and, and, and products so much more. So we've spent a lot of money and time just making sure that we look high-end luxury but we're also just like very clean and very minimal and i really like that look and it kind of re then reflects on our products and our design of everything that we've done we're just like very clean kind of like apple-esque in a way um mm. you know i'd love to be kind of like the apple of like health and wellness or like you know cbd basically so um i think that's one of the most important things is like getting the branding right and um I feel like we've now done that, which is really exciting. We've spent a lot of time as well on our website. We've been adding like lots of trailers for the products, animations. So as you scroll down, like the ingredients come out of the products and no other, well, I don't think any other CBD websites have sort of gone to that extent. So yeah, we're just trying to sort of like get our branding immaculate. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I hope then people will, you know, trust us. You know, you've still got, 
CBD companies putting cannabis leaves on the front of their bottles, I don't think any 50-year-old middle-aged woman is going to pick up that with joy and, uh, you know, want to start taking it straight away because there is just this such, you know, lack of understanding about CBD mm. as a whole as well. So we've just gone for that real minimal look. Going on from what you were saying, I mean, there are so many companies that have raised a lot of money and they just have spent it because they're just, it's just, the market's just not there. It's just, it's still growing. I mean, there are a couple of companies that are doing insanely well, but they've kind of captured the whole of the market share. So as soon as that market share starts spilling over to you and with, with our other products, I mean, especially with our, our unique CBD bar, I don't think there are, I think there is maybe one or two other companies that does a rechargeable system with an actual pod system rather than just these, you know, cheap disposables and I think one of them has like stopped selling or they've sold out of all their products. So there's not much of a competition on that element, which which is very exciting for us. And you said you're now going into phase two where you're looking to actually market the business. Yeah. Do you have plans in place for that? And also, how big do you want to take those plans? How big would you like Unique CBD to eventually be? So we've we've explored a couple of different options um, and like how we want to sort of go forward with the marketing. One thing, which is one of the biggest things that we've done, is we were the first CBD company to advertise with TFL on the London buses, which was really, really cool. So that was like a very surreal moment because I think we were about a year old and we had our buses, maybe it was, yeah, it was about a year, maybe six months. We had all of our products on our buses, which was really, really cool. And they were running for a while around London. So that was that was a very surreal moment. Um, but from the advertising side, like because there are such restrictions, we can't really do anything but make content. So, you know, TikTok being the platform where I personally see it as being one of the easiest to get a viewership and to get people interested. I really want to tap into that and really market and push our brand. We've been spending so much time creating very like aesthetic videos of like serum falling down the bottle. Um, we do a lot of uh, like high-end 3D renders and models of the product to kind of fit in. But also we want to then actually get, you know, some influencers and people on board to show how they would use their skincare in the morning or what their skincare routine is. So it's kind of just like building organic content, which then hopefully gets, you know, attraction from TikTok. And I feel like the more you post, the more persistent you're with it, you will see those results. And you only need one video, a couple of videos to do really well. And, you know, it can really change an e-commerce business very quickly. So we wanted to talk about some successes that you've seen in the past, but also some potential more difficult days, whether it is through yeah. your YouTube career or whether it's through Unique CBD. Yeah. Do you have any moments that you can recall that you feel like were real defining moments for where you are uh, today i mean yeah so on the difficult part i think if anyone goes into starting a business and thinks that it's easy they're just wrong because that's what i thought and it's just it's not especially something that is like a very misunderstood uh industry it's really hard i mean even for like opening a bank it was nearly it, it took us like four or five months to open a bank because no banks would accept cbd payments a payment provider you can't just work with shopify so you have to get a third party payment provider and there's so much information and you know kycing that you have to provide to them we then also at the very start were obviously trying to find the perfect team unfortunately we didn't find the perfect team to start with and things <laughs> things didn't go so well uh, there's a lot of people, as I said, that are in it for a quick 
cash grab and it slowed us down a lot and we lost quite a bit of money but that happened and then we found an amazing team who are still our team now with neuroscientists and dermatologists and they're they're just amazing and they assist us with like every single thing that we do so for me i think you know persistence and just keep going is such a massive thing in in business and I really want to see Unique be a very, very successful, one of the few CBD companies to grow and adapt and, uh, you know, change into and open up other sectors as well to do with health. So that's kind of like from the the negative side, I suppose the more on the positive side, I mean, just seeing an idea come to life, seeing a, a template of a product on your screen to then a physical sample of it is is an insanely rewarding feeling evie and i are actually the only two people that work on unique so we we have had over the years we've had a couple of people that have worked with us full-time kind of like the design side and then recently we've just been working with a couple of freelancers but we are we're doing everything at the moment which is it's very strenuous there's a lot of hard work that goes into it but we know now the company and the business like the back of our hand and there's so many moving components we need to know everything and as soon as i felt i've given tasks to other people and i haven't then focused on it i feel like then things have started going a bit wrong so i've just sort of pulled the reins in a bit and um you know now now we're ready to to, to sort of market and go full out with it was there anything that you learned throughout your youtube career and your content creation career that has helped you in building a business do you feel like that experience was valuable in building a business around cbd or do you feel like it's just totally different absolutely i mean honestly like things from just like sending an email i would be like petrified to send an email like when i was a kid like back in the day and you know now i'm sending emails all day every day and it's just you know i'm i'm very much like i'm very persistent and very driven and i will work on something until it's done and then i might then sort of move on to something else slowly to sort of you know give my brain a bit of a a bit of a freedom from that solid focus for a while because I like to I love to focus on one things but I like to have other things so that if I'm ever getting a bit bored or not as motivated for it I can switch up slightly and then as soon as I have that switch up I then just want to go back to the original original task again. So we've got a question here that is what is your hardest day however we've talked about the struggles that you initially had with your team when you started Unique, the fact that you lost some money and lost time um, with that team. So instead of asking hardest day, I wanted to ask what your proudest day is today. And it doesn't have to be associated with either Unique or YouTube if you don't want it to be. But I'm just interested in someone that's got such a broad career and has had a career in both entertainment and content creation and building a business, a product-based business. Can you identify what your proudest day today has been? I think I think the YouTube days, I mean, there's there's been a lot of like cool events and talks and things that I've done, but there was one time in, in particular where it was me and a couple of friends, we were flown out to the Philippines to do a show. And as we arrived, there was paparazzi film crews, there was like police, there was like barriers to like escort us to the car. And we had absolutely no idea that this was going on. Um, And then when we got in the car, we then had two police bikes escort us through the city because we were going to go and do an interview. And it was just the most absolute surreal, 
like weirdest experience and then we we did a stage show and i've never heard so many people just like screaming it was just like nuts like seeing a, a sea of people in front of you like the feeling that you get like i don't have you guys done like talks and speeches before i've done one but it was significantly smaller <laughs> but even but even so even if you're in a room full of like 50 people or 100 people you get that initial like butterfly like yeah, right yeah. okay and it was just it was just incredible so i think really that's got to be like one of the most insane surreal moments of my life where i've been like oh my god this is just nuts um and then i mean to split it up for unique i would i would probably say our buses because it was like you know we had many 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 months in lockdown which sucked you know the world was in a crisis and we were still you know lucky enough and we we were persistent enough to to really move forwards with the brand and you know be be lucky to be in that position i suppose and see what we've created come to life after like many many months and years of planning and 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 working on something so throughout your career and your life what would you consider to be the biggest lesson that you've learned to date that you would pass on I think the, the thing is, is I'm the type of person where if I see a potential of, of an opportunity, even if it's has risk associated with it, I will always take it. So if it's, you know, starting a new business, it's an investment. I think you can never, you, you can regret investing in things and starting up businesses, but you can also really regret never doing them and never thinking of what they could have turned into. So I think if if you have a business or you have an idea or something that you really want to do or if if you really feel there is an opportunity I think taking an opportunity up and you know in the business sense you know starting a business yourself or at least working towards it whether you're you know still in full-time employment in something else but you work on a side business and you start it really small I think starting small is the best way you know we know about we work we know about Theranos what all happened to them raise a lot of money and they can't deliver and then you know bad things happen and that's that's the one thing that I always remind myself I'm like slow and steady just like just, you don't you don't need to get loads of sales straight away that will come but like get the get the supply chain sorted get make sure the products are you know quality control they're great like make sure you got everything before you then you know open the doors because that's then when things can go wrong I could not agree more with that to be fair um so do you have um, any specific advice for people who are potentially looking to start a business? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people think that to start a business, you need a lot of money, you need a lot of funding. You don't. You don't. It, I mean, it depends. It depends what business you're going into. But there are a lot of things that you can do for free and skills that you can learn. I mean, you can you know, learn how to do logo design and put yourself as an ad up on, you know, Upwork or something or Fiverr and, you know, instantly be positioned there. I mean, the amount of, you know, designers and, and people that I uh, I chat with on Upwork and I even see their advertising presence and there could be so much work done better on just how they advertise themselves and like the images that they use. And it's about finding opportunity and it's it's also about finding what you really like and what you really want to do you know if you want to open up a car garage well then yeah you're probably going to need some money for that aren't you but if you want to make i don't know personalized cards because you're really great at writing then start up a company or start a website to start with 
make some content on TikTok. TikTok's the way. TikTok is the number one place, I think, to advertise anything at the moment and get organic content and really drive through to sales as well. Uh, and even with business, I never thought I'd be sitting there on TikTok watching a guy clean out a pool. Yeah, he has like 5 million <laughs> followers. I'm one of them. And I just get I just get hooked into it. And I'm like, this is really weird. But this guy must be, my God, he could expand his business and, you know, sell pool fittings. He could sell accessories for pools. He could like you could do anything. You know, he's, he's made that brand as the pool guy. And I'm sure, it, you know, he never, ever thought that that would have turned into anything more than his mate probably asked him to just film him clearing out the pool. And then it just sort of went from there, maybe. Do you have any core principles that you follow for achieving what you would consider to be success in your work life or, or home life? Do you have any principles that you try and stick to? I think like planning is really important. Having a clear focus and a goal of where you want to get to. Because a lot of people just think, well, I want to start a business because I want to be rich. Okay, well, what's rich? You know, is... 10,000 pounds rich is 100,000 pounds rich is a million rich or is a billion rich you know that everyone sees that in indifference and you've almost got to ask yourself as well like what is what is going to make me happy at the end of this and if this company gets to a massive company am I going to be really happy with it so I, I think that's the that's the first thing is having a clear focus and a, and a goal of where you'd like to go to and you almost want to pick that perfect position of just optimal happiness you know having a business that's able to generate revenue but also that you, you're you feeling your best as well. I mean, we're going into our second phase now. I've already done so much work for this first phase and I feel like we haven't even started, you know? So it's like starting a business is a lot more work. It's not a nine to five. It's way more than that um, because you should put more in that into it because you should love it. And I think you should only start a business if you really enjoy it. And then you'll find yourself working on it so much more because it's easy, because it's fun, right? So I think I think the planning and like having a clear focus is really important. Um, I've always thought that like the willingness to adapt and pivot within a business is also really important. Sometimes you might launch something and it not do as well as you think. And you go, hold on a minute, there's something wrong here. How can we pivot? How can we change? How can we adapt to provide something else? In lockdown, we saw this. A lot of companies, a lot of services were providing a certain service and then all of a sudden they pivot to do something else or they start up a sub-brand for that. And the last question I've got for you is around your network. Um, is there anyone that you lean on significantly? Do you have anyone in, in, say, like a little black book of contacts that for you are really important for, for supporting your business? I'm really lucky. I've, I've developed like an amazing like network and and friendship and relationship with a lot of like very interesting people within very different industries. I don't actually tend to like have like a certain group of people who are doing something relatively similar that I could lean on. I wish I actually did. I don't really know. I really it's more friends, family and like I suppose our closest networks like opinions on things, but it's not necessarily like advice of how to how can we grow this e-commerce business or how can we do this? But a lot of my friends are either YouTubers or social talents. So they've they've had to promote something or they've worked with businesses or they have a product of some kind that they've sold in the past. So there's there's an understanding of how that works. But especially with the CBD, like it's just so different from like anything you know, with like selling a book or, you know, selling this, selling that. So it is a completely sort of different audience. And I had to always be very careful with with the sort of promotion of it because a lot of my 
audience back in the day, like, you know, two, three years ago, like a lot of them were probably a, a lot younger, you know, not really understanding CBD. So um, now that that audience has changed as well, it's, uh, it, it's, it's more of an interesting conversation and, and they can actually like fully understand it now. Well, Ollie, that is about our time. But thank you so much for joining us on the cool, podcast no and we wish you all of the continued success with Unique CBD. Thank you. No, it's been great. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Founders. If you liked the content in this podcast, you can get new content from a new founder every week by following us on all podcast apps.